Welcome to Reynolds Wrap, the positive and practical podcast. We want to encourage you through spiritual insight from God's Word to maintain an authentic Christian life. Welcome back, rappers. Hope you're having a wonderful day. And uh, I always appreciate you tuning in to our Reynolds Wrap, the positive and practical podcast. Uh, this is episode five, and we are rolling right along with our podcast. I appreciate your feedback, and several of you have written in and uh, have listened uh, on various networks. We're on Anchor, of course. Uh, we're also on Spotify and Google Podcasts. We're still working on getting other platforms, but hope you'll continue sharing the content and encouraging others to listen in and give positive feedback. Of course, I want to mention that uh, you can email me at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com if you've got a comment or a question or if you've got some content you want us to tackle, a question, Bible question, something like that. Or a prayer request, and uh, want to plug our website. Uh, we are currently working on the Reynolds Wrap page, and if you'll go to our Facebook and Instagram, in the next couple days we're going to launch that. Been working on it for the last few months. Really excited about that. So uh, we will we will have all the podcasts on there, all the blogs and things like that since uh, since we have started the Reynolds Wrap ministry. So great, great opportunities to uh, get involved and to share content that hopefully will encourage other people. So today we're going to cover a topic that was suggested that I discuss, and that is how to overcome obstacles. And so I want us to think about maybe some things, some some big things that we've dealt with in our lives. And in, in coming podcasts, I may take the time to share a little bit of my story and some of the things that I've had to overcome throughout my life, and maybe that'll help you as well, and probably we'll do an entire podcast that I'll call my story, and um, maybe that will be a blessing to you. As I've had opportunities throughout the years, I've shared my story with various groups, um, with youth groups and churches, and uh, of course my story is ongoing, just like yours. And I want to obviously give this platform, this 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 place, uh, Reynolds Wrap, an opportunity to share my story and also hopefully encourage you to share your story. But today we want to talk about overcoming obstacles and moving forward despite the odds against you. Um, I'm not a, uh, uh, I, I'll say this, I am a, I am a fan of, uh, or have been in the past, a pretty big fan of a Christian author by the name of Max Licato. Some of you have heard of him. You've probably read some of his books. I'll say this kind of as a, a uh, kind of as an asterisk. Um, when it comes to certain doctrinal things, we're going to disagree. Uh, there's a few things he says in his book, especially Next Door Savior, uh, and some some other places where you know we we might disagree on some some doctrinal issues. But there are so many things within his books that you can, if you take and take little excerpts here and there, and some of the books, the entirety of the book, I could I could totally recommend to you. And uh, I, I think uh, Come Thirsty is one of my favorites. My all-time favorite he ever wrote was uh, the book uh, called Traveling Light, which is based on Psalm 23. I think that one is fantastic. Um, but So Come Thirsty, Traveling Light. And there's another one that I want to focus on, uh, something that he brought out, and that was Facing Your Giants. Now, I know that when we talk about obstacles, obviously we're going we're gonna to deal with some giant things in our walk. And we 
our mind automatically goes to David, so let's just take it there. You know, the Old Testament is full of all these giants that they're scared to death of. I mean, they can't they can't go into the land. They're afraid of the giants. You know, Joshua and Caleb say, hey, we can take the mountain. Let's go. And no, 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 no. We're afraid of the giants. They can't go in. They can't take the giants. These giants start peering back up in, you know, in the early part of Genesis. We're talking about back in Genesis 6, one of the reasons why the earth was flooded with water which that's a totally different subject for another day but anyway some of these these this race of giants still exists and they're they're down to just a handful which is why probably david picks up five rocks but there are basically five stones that he he picks up and he only needs one to drop the giant but there's four other giants out there that are related to goliath and i think that it is a great metaphor for life we each have to deal with our share of giants in life Sometimes they keep coming back again and again to tease us and taunt us just like Goliath did at the mountain. And when are we ever going to learn how to overcome these giants? How can we overcome obstacles? How can we, as a child of God living an authentic Christian life, move forward despite the odds against us? I mean, when everybody's against you, everybody disagrees with you. And I know that's exaggerating, of course, but it feels that way, doesn't it? It feels like... Sometimes there's all this pressure and this negativity and you just, you don't know where to turn. You, you think, I have friends. No, they're not your friends. They're going to betray you. You think, well, I have family. Well, your family's going to turn against you. Well, I have my Christian family. Sometimes that's where the weakest links are in our relationships because sometimes even our Christian friends will turn against us. That's happened to me a lot in life. So we, we get to a point where we just feel so overwhelmed and all this pressure and we say, how am I going to overcome the obstacle that is right in front of me. Now, I when I say this, I know there are some people who know me that are going to laugh, but I ran track in high school, okay? Yeah, I know, 6'4", 350 pounds, but I did. Well, 340 pounds, let's make it clear. All right, but I did. I ran track in high school. But when I say ran track, those that know me know that I threw shot put and discus, okay? I didn't really... I didn't really run, okay? In fact, sometimes we have to run. I'd basically just walk across the center of the field and pretend like I ran the full lap. But my coach knew the whole time what I was doing. But my brother was a very good athlete. And I was a pretty good athlete, but he was a very good athlete. He loved to run. He loved hurdles. And he was, I mean, he went all the way to state, I think two years in hurdles. Um, and so he, he loved to run. He was just a runner. He was always fast, always athletic. And I remember the hardest part of hurdles really was setting them up and taking them down on the track. And we, being the big football guys, you know, we were out there setting up the obstacles and stuff. And it's funny because we we would try to run over them and we would just trip and fall all over them and just wipe out, you know. And we get the grit and the grain from the track in our mouth and in our arms, you know. And we like, what happened to you? You're bleeding. Well, I tried to jump at hurdle, you know. But my brother was always very, very good at hurdles, and he and it was all about timing. For him, it was all about timing. He would work for hours and hours after school, and we didn't have a cross. We did have a cross country team. I think my senior year, but he didn't do cross country. But he would do that, and he would go out there, and he was all about the timing of being able to jump the hurdle at just the right second. He knew exactly how to step in between each hurdle and get over the next one, and. Really, and I'm not just saying this because he's my brother and I love him, it was a it was a sight to behold to watch him run hurdles. And and some of the other kids too that ran, but he had a gift to run hurdles all the way through high school. And and it was all about that timing, a step, a jump, a step, a jump, or a step and a half, or however you know it went. And I wish that now I had recorded him 
so that now I could kind of tease him with it because he's a big guy like me. He's not nearly as big as me, but but he was extremely athletic. And I think that when it comes to overcoming our giants, overcoming the obstacles that are in front of us, despite the odds against us, it's all about timing. It's about trusting in God to get you through that particular moment and then get over the next one. See, we're we're so we're so consumed by the one obstacle in front of us that we don't realize we've already jumped a dozen behind us. We're we want to stop and avoid it, you know, or just kick it over, but we're going to come back around the next lap and we're going to have to hit it again. And sometimes when we kick it over, it's got to get reset and we got to go jump it again. So how do we overcome our giants? How do we come overcome our obstacles? I'm going to give you David picked up five stones, so I want to I want to do five things just real quick. The first thing I think we've got to do is we've got to face the giant. We have to face our giant. We have to name our giant. We have to name our obstacle. He knew Goliath was the problem. If you take out Goliath, you defeat the Philistines. What's the giant in your life? What's the obstacle in your life? What's the one vice that you struggle with the, the most? Is it, uh, is it an addiction? You know, is it alcohol? Is it tobacco? Is it pornography? Um, is it pride? You know, what's your main giant if you were to name one? Is it that you have enemies in your life that you can't overcome? Is it, you know, narcissism? Is it um, negativism? Is it, you know, an attitude problem? Is it family? Is it your job? You just hate your job? What, what is it if one giant obstacle, maybe it's not being spiritual enough. What is that obstacle? And face it. Face it your giant. Face your obstacle. Forget about your weakness. Come to terms with the ability that God has given you to overcome it. Know that God is with you. Know that God can help you. Know, focus on your ability now, know that in a good, strong, spiritual walk, you can overcome the obstacle. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, I'm very happy to brag about my weakness Then Christ's power can live in me. For this reason, I am happy when I have weaknesses, insults, hard times, sufferings, all kinds of troubles for Christ. Because when I am weak, then I am truly strong. Paul says, I face my giant. Okay, I'm going to face the obstacle. I'm not going to let it weigh me down. I'm not going to think about my weakness. I'm going to build on my strength. Second thing you got to do is you got to let go of your burden. Like I said, the Max Licato book, Traveling Light, Psalm 23, we have one purpose on this earth, one purpose, to totally surrender to God, to be a faithful servant of his, to live an authentic, maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. That is what I've got to do. I've got to let go of my past. You've got to learn to forgive yourself. That's another topic we're going to have to cover in another day. Forgive yourself. Let go of your sin. Let go of your guilt. You're not the same person you were the other day or last year or 10 years ago. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven and you need to believe it. Doubting yourself, low self-esteem is never going to get you where you want to go spiritually. You got to let go of your burdens. You got to let go of your sins. You got to let go of all those negative thoughts and feelings and start focusing on stuff that can get you to the next hurdle. Get over this one. Get to the next one. Get past the obstacle. If you're going to move forward, 
Quit thinking about the odds against you and start thinking about who's on your side. You know, Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, brothers and sisters, someone in your group does something wrong. If you're spiritual, go and talk to that person. Restore them in a gentle way, in a matter of gentleness. And then it says, be careful because you might be tempted as well. We, we have to be careful not to get so bogged down in our sin and our past and our, our wickedness and unrighteousness and all the terrible living that we did before that we don't let that hinder our present. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the third thing is you got to put your past behind you. You know, I love that Pumbaa line, you know, got to put your behind in your past. No, no, no. It's put your past behind you. And that's what we need to do in football as another football metaphor our coach would always say, you got to leave it on the field. When you leave this field, you ought to be utterly exhausted. And you know what my coach would do? If he saw kids run into the locker room afterwards, you know, running to get their stuff put up so they could go see their girlfriend or whatever, we would be running at practice the next day. He said he wanted us walking off that field, leaning on each other or on a stretcher. You leave that field with every ounce of energy you can you leave it on the field. David left Goliath on the field. He cut his head off too, by the way. Quitters never win and winners never quit. The freedom that you need, that you seek, after you overcome your obstacle, that freedom is awaiting you. It's there for you to take. Going back to Paul, he said, brothers and sisters, I know that I've not yet reached the goal, but there is one thing I always do, forgetting the past, forgetting the past. Forget that past. Let go of that burden. And straining towards what is ahead. I keep trying to reach the goal and get the prize for which God called me through Christ to the life above. I'm not going to dwell on the past. I'm not going to dwell on the burdens. I'm not going to dwell on the trials. I'm not going to dwell on the obstacles. You jump that hurdle. Don't turn around and look at it again or you'll trip over the next one. Put the past behind you. He says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to strive for the goal. I'm looking for the yellow tape at the end. You know, I'm looking for the prize. I'm looking for the medal. I'm looking for the trophy. I'm not going to sit here and keep looking back. And that's why Jesus will say, you know, you can't, you can't serve in the kingdom of the Lord. If you're going to put your hand on the plow and keep your eyes behind your back, stop looking behind again, forgive yourself. Let go of the guilt. Let go of the sorrow, let go of the pain, let go of the grief, let go of the burden, face your giant and get over who you were. Get over yourself. Quit dwelling on who you were. You're not that person anymore. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you got to be born again. If you have, and and I want to do an entire podcast soon about just about salvation in itself to be, are you grounded in your salvation? Do you really believe that you are a child of God? Do you believe that your sins are forgiven? And if you believe that, you're a new Christ, new Christian. You're a new creature in Christ. You are a, a born-again believer. You are not the same person you used to be. If God doesn't hold it against you, why do you hold it against yourself? Just think of all the passages in the Bible that speak of what God does with our sin. He says, I'll bury it in the depth of the ocean. I'll scatter it like sand on the seashore. I'll blot it out. I'll remember it no more. Separate it as far as the east is from the west. That's what God does with our past, with our sins. We've got to put it behind us. So then another thing we got to do is we got to start preparing for results. We've got to start thinking about success. I mean, we need to have at least a mustard seed worth of faith. 
If God has made a promise to stand beside us, to be with us, to, to never forsake us, then we need to believe him. We need to take him at his word. Go through the scriptures and see how many times God made promises and how many times he failed, how many times he quit, how many times he gave up. How many times did God say, yeah, you know what? I changed my mind. Never, never. God always fulfills his promises. He's not slack, Peter says. He's not slack concerning his promises. There's no looseness to his promises. There's no ignorance. It's full wisdom. God says, I'm going to do it, and he does it because he knows what's best. He understands. He understands us. He understands life. He understands the plight of sin. He gets it. That's why he's so forgiving. God is so forgiving because he knows humanity. He put the tree there. He knew it was going to tempt man. He gave us a chance. He gave us a choice. We chose poorly. We live with the consequences for it. But he loves us enough that he sends his son to die in our place, making it right, and then gives you another chance as to whether or not you want to choose him, as to whether or not you want to live in Christ and have a a home in heaven. It's your choice. He's not going to force you. He's not going to make you a drone or a or anything like that. He's not going to he's not going to force you like a robot to do every little thing he wants. The rules, the laws of the Old Testament were hard to follow, but Jesus did it. And now we're under a law of grace, we're underneath a a, a more um convenient and easier, if you want to put it that way, example of how to live a faithful Christian life. We're given the Bible on how to follow Christ exactly perfectly. And so we gotta we gotta start looking ahead and saying, okay, God, God is all-knowing, He understands, and He can give me the strength to do it, all things through Christ, right? He strengthens us. And so if He makes a promise to me, I gotta start preparing for results. We don't think like winners. There's so much defeatism among Christians today. That's why we don't try. That's why our churches are dying. That's why our children are not being faithful. That's why we're not being faithful to one another. It's because we, we, we don't even believe anymore that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. That's why we don't pray like we should. We don't have growth in our congregations. We've stopped talking to people about Jesus. Because we're afraid we're, afraid we're going to get turned down. We're afraid that somebody's going to say something negative. We're afraid we're going to get persecuted. We're afraid we're going to be called a Jesus freak. And so we just don't do it. We are so overwhelmed by the obstacle, we don't even want to run the race anymore. Why is it that people give up? Why is it? How about your congregation? I just took a, a, t- a little quiz today. Uh, Jenkins Institute, Dale Jenkins, does a, a cool little quiz every once in a while. And one of the questions that was on there today was about attendance. How does your church practice keeping attendance? We have a guy at our church, a deacon. and be- Actually, several churches I've worked for have deacons or individuals that keep a role. And it's not so that we can say, excuse me, you've missed three Sundays this year. No, it's just basically to make sure that we're keeping up with who's there and who's not so that if somebody's missing, we can tell them they're missed and they're loved. And some people say, well, you shouldn't have to keep role. You should know who's not there. You should be able to look around. And I agree to that somewhat. You know, I never look around my dinner table and look and go, who are you? You know, I got two boys that eat at my dinner table every night. I know who they are. Oh, I know. I'm not looking at my son going, hey, what's your name again? I get it. I know who they are. But in a congregation, sometimes we have people that pop in and out 
I've heard a lot of hateful terms. You know, they call them fair-weather Christians or submarine Christians. They only surface now and again. That's your family. That's your family. That's your brother. And that's your sister. And so we do keep track. We keep attendance. And why do we do that? Why do we do that? We want to see why people have drifted away and why they've left. Do you know why a lot of people leave? They say, oh, well, it's hypocrisy among Christians. We've dealt with that in a previous podcast. Some people say, well, I'm just, you know, I've got a lot going on. I got work. I understand that. A lot of people leave the church. A lot of people quit in their attendance. They don't read their Bible and they don't pray because they just don't have enough faith. They just don't have enough faith. They're too weak in their faith. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just being honest. I shouldn't have to pet people and call them every time they miss. I shouldn't have to send a card every time. I shouldn't have to go knock on somebody's door and pick them up and bring them to church or find out why they're gone or why they got their feelings hurt. And that's a big one. People just get their feelings hurt way too easy. You know, I didn't like what the preacher said. He hurt my feelings, you know. Or I didn't like the song service or I don't like this particular scripture that we read or this translation that we use. And I don't like the way that the pews are arranged. And I don't like the fact that the carpet color and the wall color. We'll come up with a thousand reasons as to why we don't come to church. But I'll tell you, the main reason is a lack of faith. When you become a child of God, you don't convert to a church. You don't follow a church building or a preacher. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 1, by the way. When you decide to follow Jesus Christ, you follow Jesus Christ. You leave the church. Your your problem is not with a congregation or a preacher or an eldership. Your, Your problem is with the Lord. Your problem is not wanting to be faithful to God. Now, I know I'm going to probably get people say, well, Ray, that's a little critical because you can be faithful to God and, and you don't have to go to church at every service. Really? Really? I've never heard somebody be able to argue that well. I had a lady one time tell me, Brother Ray, I just, I love Jesus so much and I read my Bible every day and I pray. But let me tell you something. Where I meet Jesus is down there on the dock. When we take our boat out on Sunday morning or we go fishing, I'm closer to God in that moment than at any moment in my life, okay? If you're the type of person that you don't need fellowship and you don't need worship with the saints, you are more spiritual than I am. And you may say, well, that's not saying much. Well, I'm saying this. There's a reason why God called us to be the church. There's a reason why he established his church, to be a fellowship of believers, of loved ones, of brothers and sisters who can encourage each other, lift each other up, be there in the tough times. And we need to do that. We need to be more faithful. In order to do that, we got to take risks. We got to take risks. We've got to be willing to jump the obstacles, jump over those hurdles, go back to the list of what we talked about, all your giants. I don't know what your giant is in your life. You got to get a stone and hit it in the middle of the forehead. You've got to do it. You've got to name your demons. What is keeping you from being faithful? What is What obstacle in front of you has made you so full of anxiety that you, you just almost can't function? What is it that's keeping you from getting out of bed in the morning? What's, what's, what's drawing, you know, what's giving you all these negative thoughts? What is keeping you from from walking with God more faithfully? And let's get it out of the way and start preparing for results. Paul says in Colossians, continue praying, keeping alert 
and always thanking God, always pray for us that God will give us an opportunity to tell people his message. Pray that we can preach the secret that God has made known about Christ. And this is why I'm in prison. He says, I continue to pray. I continue to be alert. I continue to thank God. I continue to serve. And I'm telling you, I want more opportunities to serve God. That's his attitude. It's why he was cast into prison. And he says, you know what? I do it all over again. I want that spirit. I want that passion. I want, I want to be able to prepare for results. I want to be positive. Quit, quit telling me about what we used to do in the 50s and 60s in the church. I didn't live then. And probably you can't remember most of it anyway. We remember the good stuff. We don't remember the bad stuff from way back when. Talk about the golden years, you know, and back in the day, it was just so wonderful. It really wasn't that wonderful, okay? It wasn't. We remember some of the good things, and that's wonderful. I'm not saying that we need to forget the past completely, but I'm saying we got to put it behind us. We don't live in the 50s and 60s anymore. We don't live in an age where we could go out and have three-week tent meetings and have 2,000 people respond to the gospel. We have other opportunities, other means by which we can teach people today. And there are things that worked at a certain time that don't work now. I heard a church say the other day, boy, if we just bring back the bus ministry, let me tell you, you know how many lawsuits we'd have today if we started a bus ministry? I mean, you got to have all this paperwork that everybody's got to fill out. We had a kid one time at a church, I won't say where, but I hadn't been that long ago. And we had a, we had a youth minister, the elders said, we want to take that bus. We want to go down into the, into this poor part of the community. And we want to bring all these kids in for vacation Bible school. And so he did. He drove the van down there and opened the doors. And here they come, buddy. I mean, they just load up. You know what? There was a kid that got on the bus. And he didn't tell his mama and daddy. And his mom and daddy didn't know he got on the bus. And VBS is two and a half hours. And he comes home in the dark. And luckily, a couple of the other parents said, well, that bus went to the... They didn't know where the bus was going. It's free daycare for two and a half hours. Throw them on the bus. They're going to get... you know. And VBS isn't like it used to be. I'm telling you what, we got a we got a, a pecan sandy and a cup of tang, okay, delivered to the room. We didn't get we didn't get all these fancy fancy snacks and you know and, and, and stuff made out of marshmallows and graham crackers, okay? We had tang. If you were lucky, you got you got like a we didn't have Capri Suns either, by the way. You got maybe a little bit of Kool-Aid. We didn't have Coke. We didn't have fudge rounds and oatmeal cream pies for our VBS. We got we got you know, Aunt Hazel's walnut cookies, you know, and we were picking the walnuts out of it, trying to eat it. The point is, the bus ministry worked at some time. It doesn't work now. Door knocking worked at some time. It doesn't always work now. It, it works in some communities and in some ways. But there are many things we used to do. And we've got to, and those, and there is a place for using the bus, and there's a place to door knock. There's a place for doing gospel meetings. I believe there's still a need for that, but we need to do it differently than we did before. We have to adapt in a way to our times. You know, the way we preach, the way we teach, we've got to adapt to the times. I'm not saying that we need to be, you know, uh, flamboyant and flashy, but I'm saying we've got to be more creative with our titles, our topics, our media outreach. That's what draws some people in. And then finally, the last thing, real quick, is we've got to let God do his thing. You're going to either help his work or you're going to hinder his work. And I'm not saying that you, but I'm basically just, just hear me out. If you're not going to get on the right path with God, you need to get out of his way. 
God has a plan for your life. Either you're on board or you're not. God wants complete control. He has to have full surrender. He specializes in the impossible. He he specializes in overcoming obstacles. And you just line up your shot with that sling and that stone and let him guide it to the middle of your giant's forehead. Paul told the Thessalonians, you need to be joyful. You need to pray all the time. You need to give no matter what. You don't need to quench the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I want your whole self, spirit, body, all to be kept safe without fault in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you. And he says, God who calls you can do that. Don't get in God's way. Let God work through you and in you to overcome the obstacle. You can overcome it. The Lord wants you to know he'll always be with you. I'll I tell you, if you, you need a good motivator. You need, you got an obstacle in your life. Open your Bible to Romans 8. Read verses 31 through 39. Romans 8, 31 through 39. Read it. Read it every day if you have to. You can overcome your giant. If God is for you, who can be against you? He's ready to help you. He's ready to fight the giant with you. He's ready. All you got to do is throw the stone. Just throw the stone. Take the field of battle and throw the stone. God will take care of your giant for you. You can overcome. Gain strength. Gain strength from God. Know that he will guide you. He'll be with you. Forget about the odds against you. Because it's not about who's on the other side. It's not about your enemies. It's about the one who has your back. And that's something you can rest assured. God's always going to have your back because he loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And he wants you to overcome that up. There's a whole host of heaven cheering you on right now to see if you'll jump that hurdle. They can't wait to see you take the risk. Face your giant. Do it. Let God do a miracle in your life. Let him do the impossible in your life. Let him do it. But you have got to take the initiative. You got to step forward, take the field of battle, and take the leap of faith. We thank you so much for tuning into today's broadcast. Hope that you'll follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Keep coming back for original content on these podcasts and share them with your friends and loved ones. We also want to encourage you, if you have any questions or want to direct something towards me, uh, any possible topics coming up in the near future you'd like for me to cover, you can write us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day, and we want to encourage you to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus.